So I saw that these guys get it out the ground, the upstream guys. I see that these people move it. That's the midstream guys. I see these guys turn it into stuff you can sell. That's the downstream guys. Then they have these companies that do all the work that nobody else wants to do. That's the service company. So I instantly got to see the whole industry and how it fit it together. And that was probably the best thing that's ever happened to me in my career. Welcome to Energy Builders, a podcast about the geologists, engineers, roughnecks, entrepreneurs, and many more that are building in oil and gas. On this episode, our guest is Mark LaCour. Mark is the editor-in-chief of the Oil and Gas Global Network, an oil and gas podcast network that tells the good and truthful stories of our industry in an educational way uh, that also helps make our planet a better place. On this episode, Mark and I discuss how he got a wide view of the oil and gas industry, how he dreamt up the idea of an oil and gas podcast, and then finding teammates who do better things than you to grow that vision. Now, you might hear some background noise as Mark and I recorded this episode at the 2023 North American Prospect Expo. That's NAEP. I really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciated Mark doing this and also inviting me to be a part of this podcast pavilion that they that OGGN was a part of setting up at Nape. So I enjoyed the conversation and I know you will as well. Here we go. Okay, Mark LaCour, welcome to the Energy Builders podcast. It's weird to be on the other side of the microphone. I'm glad to make you have to do a switch there and and, and perform on the other side. Yeah, let's do this. Let's do. We're at the Nape summit right here in houston texas and how many times have you been down here so i've been at nape i've been coming to nape for at least 15 16 years almost right after it first started and if you're not sure what nape is it stands for north american prospect expo and the p the prospect is not a sales target in the oil and gas world it's mineral <laughs> mineral bearing properties right um, which makes interesting conversations sometimes. But yeah, we come to Nate for a long time. They love OGGN. We love them. We've, we've always worked together. And this is just another step in that direction. This podcast pavilion. So it's not just the OGGN crude. We invited other people to come record like yeah. you. Yeah, and it's great. Which I should say uh, right here, kind of starting off, a big thank you to Caterpillar uh, for sponsoring this pavilion. You mentioned that already, Mark. But also just uh, making this happen. And, uh, you know, Nape is known, like Mark alluded to, as the place where deals happen. So them and Caterpillar helped put this together. Caterpillar is helping oil and gas build the future of energy. And that's something we like to talk about, obviously, on the Energy Builders podcast. And we're going to get into your story. But this is all to bring experts together to deliver the right outcome, to configure, implement, optimize the right power solutions that the world is demanding. So simply put, Caterpillar Oil and Gas has what tomorrow takes. And we're going to talk about today with Mark LaCour how OGGN came to be, how he started building that, and where he sees it going in the future. So, Mark, first question why? What did you see? What was happening all those years ago for you to say, this thing, OGGN, OGGN needs to exist? Yeah. So the world needs to be educated about energy. And unfortunately, as an industry, we need to raise our hand and own the fact that we've done a horrible job educating the world of why energy is important. 
So OGGN came together. We came together to make money, right? But it really came together as a way to help educate our world and especially our world's younger people. You know, this is 2023. Everybody knows what a podcast was. But when we started, a lot of people had no idea what a podcast was. And the only people that listened was our world's younger people. So we did that on purpose to get in front of that demographic. So that's that's literally the why is that we feel a duty to give back and help educate the world on the value the oil and gas industry brings to mankind. And how many, when you surveyed the landscape, what year was this when you founded OGG? Eight. Well, OGGN was founded later. I think OGGN's been around for since 2015. Um, yeah, 2015. Thank you. Your um, first podcast. But though. Oil and Gas This Week was the first oil and gas podcast in the world. The very first. So there wasn't someone for you to look at and go, wow, I want to make something just like that. I want to, what, what did you see in podcasts that made you say, this has got to happen? Absolutely nothing, Adam. Let me tell you the story. <laughs> this is true. James Hahn, uh, big credit to him, came to me with the idea of starting the podcast. This was with my original company, Modal Point, which is still around. And I told him that was the stupidest thing that ever came out of his mouth. Nobody listens to podcasts. Because um, there were no podcasts. And right. the technology was a challenge. The software you needed was expensive. There was no app for podcasts. You had to understand how to download an MP3 file. And he kept on and he kept on. And like a little kid, he wore me down until I said yes. And what I didn't know is that we started the first oil and gas podcast in the world. Three months into it, Red Wing Boots calls me and says, hey, we want to sponsor your podcast. And Adam, I almost said why. But the old sales guy me kicked in and said, shut up and let them talk. <laughs> Thank you, Red Wing. And that was the beginning of me understanding that not only could we do this and help educate the world, but you could commercialize it. And so, so that's how it started. And then later, OGGN came to being as the, as the family for all the podcasts. Uh, but, but yeah, it, it started out with somebody having a better idea than me around podcasting. That's great. That's great to hear that. So let's talk about before OGGN. What was your background? What were you doing in the oil and gas industry that led you to where you are now? So I've always sold technology to oil and gas. I started over 25 years ago with a phone company in the East. And the truth is I just needed a job. Um, and they said, Mark, we have the perfect job for you, but it's had declining revenue for over 30 years. And I said, I don't care. I'll take it. And it was the oil and gas book of business. No other salesperson in that company wanted to deal with the Chevrons and Exxons because they were a pain in the butt, right? And so I took the redheaded stepchild, nothing against redheaded people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it was the best thing I've ever done in my entire career. Most people in oil and gas get indoctrinated with whatever their job is. So if you work for a pipeline company, you think oil and gas industry is pipelines. If you work in an upstream company, you think upstream is oil and gas industry. I instantly went from not knowing anything about the industry to seeing all of Bell South customers, in, which is you know Louisiana all the way to Florida. And so I saw that these guys get it out the ground, the upstream guys. I see that these people move it. That's the midstream guys. I see these guys turn it into stuff you can sell. That's the downstream guys. And then, then they have these companies that do all the work that nobody else wants to do. That's a service company. So I instantly got to see the whole industry and how it fit it together. And that was probably the best thing that's ever happened to me in my career. And back then, which was a very long time ago, um, things would happen that you can't do now. The first time I went offshore, I was talking to one of my customers who was a major service company. And I said, I've never been offshore. And they said, meet me at the heliport on Wednesday. No Hewitt training, no background check. I just was on the helicopter with the, the service company. And they took me offshore. And they go, this is a moon pool. And this is a mud pump. 
Same way with the refinery. I had the refinery manager put me in his truck and go, let me show you something. Rode me around the refinery and go, this is a cracker. This is an ethylene plant. This is steam. And so I got to have hands-on for the entire industry, which unfortunately you can't do that anymore. Even if you're an engineer for Chevron, it's almost impossible for you to go offshore unless that's your job duty. So I, I was very blessed and lucky to actually have hands-on and be mentored by a lot of these senior people in the industry. That's great. That's awesome to hear. So, so you start out there and did you continue in sales? What what's always, always, always. Yeah. So I was, I was there forever. And then eventually Bell South got bought by AT&T um, was no longer a good fit for me culturally. I went to work for a startup. I think everybody has at least one startup under their belt. Um, that was when I learned as a salesperson that name recognition means a lot. So everybody would talk to me when I was with the phone company. Nobody would talk to me when I was with this startup that didn't know. Um, and then I ran across this company called Forrester Research. Um, I had the oil and gas key accounts, most important accounts in the world. Um, and that was a good learning experience for me, too is at that point, I got to understand things like statistical analysis, market research, the value that that type of data was bringing to marketing. Um, and, and so at, at some point, um, Forrester and I decided to part ways. And I used that background of salesmanship I learned at Bell and the market research I learned at Forrester. And I started Modal Point, which is a market research company focused on the oil and gas industry, which is later led to me starting the podcast. Gotcha. So are you a data guy by nature? A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's one of the things about salespeople, you know, you hear people talk all the time about uh, sales is in a great profession. It's somebody trying to make you buy something you don't want. That's not sales. A salesperson uses information and expertise to help solve problems for their clients. A good salesperson is an asset to their client's team, and they look at it that way. And that includes using the data. In fact, a lot of times I have to understand the data better than our clients do so that I can spot things that they don't see. Give us, give us an example of that. Uh, what's going on right now in the industry, right? So we're at NAEP, we're at a conference. Um, I love conferences, but years ago before the internet, conferences had a different commercial value, right? So somebody like Exxon would come to a conference because it was the only place they could talk to every choke manufacturer at one time. They would have POs in their hand and deals were done on that floor, right? So the conference was commercialized and that was great if you were inexperienced because you could learn a lot of stuff from that conference. Now, nobody from Exxon needs to come to a conference to talk to choke manufacturers. They can go online and see everything at the same time, right? So there's a little bit of data I just threw in your head and that I just threw into your audience's head to make them look at conferences different because they are different. Now, the culture has changed. You don't do business on the conference floor other than NAEP, right? Um, but you can use those conferences to find the people that you may do business with later. Once again, it's the data. You have to understand what problem do you solve, who has that problem, and are they in that event? You're talking about reach, aren't you? Like, yeah. And, and also changing your mindset around um, how reach is achieved at different points in time. 100%. And, and our industry is, is, from the outside, it looks like we're old-fashioned. We're really not. We're risk-adverse. If you think about what we do, when you make a mistake in our industry, people die, right? So when you have a process or a technique in our industry – and nothing's blown up, nothing's leaked, nobody's been hurt, you don't want to change that process. And that includes things like marketing. And I don't mean marketing like downstream. We hear that back from all the refinery guys. I'm talking about actual marketing like helping sales teams sell. So the way you market at a conference has changed because the business has changed in the point of time that we're in. Um, you know, just a few years ago, we were doing all this virtually, right, because of COVID. You had to learn different skill sets. Well, one of the benefits to us as OGGN is before COVID, one of my 
biggest obstacles in selling podcast sponsorships is I had to explain what a podcast was. A lot of people in Allgas had no idea. COVID made everybody learn what a podcast was. So now that hurdle has been removed and it makes it easier for me to sell podcast sponsorships. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. But it's a good, it's a good point and kind of wrapping up what you're talking about, about thinking about reach and at a point in time and also when it comes to the forefront of everybody's thinking. So let's let's now talk a little bit about the actual like boots on the ground of building OGGN. You mentioned when you started there wasn't some easy app to do. There was no one uh, explaining to you in blog posts. Maybe there was a few, but not a ton telling you, here's the plan, here's step one, two, three to get you to from A to Z. So what was the first initial challenge you had to overcome to launch your podcast? Oh, that's a good question. So the, the challenge was convincing me that we needed to do it. The next challenge, actually, we were very lucky, kind of fixed itself, is that we monetized it very early. Now, that money didn't go into our pockets. That money went to pay the back office, which is, if you're not a podcaster, you're not going to understand this, but if you are a podcaster, record, recording the audio is easy. It's the editing, social media marketing, everything else that takes time. And when you can start hiring people to do that, that allows you to be a better podcaster, right? It allows you to grow. So we were lucky that we monetized early. The next big thing is my team. I have the most incredible team on the planet. Most of my team, especially my core team, started off as listeners. So uh, Paige Wilson, my co-host on Gas This Week, she was a listener to the show. She then volunteered, so she did volunteer project management work for us for a while because we had no money to pay her. Um, and then eventually I kind of twisted her arm slightly um, and convinced her to start only gas industry leaders. Actually, speaking of Caterpillar, we did launch her show at the Caterpillar both at OTC, right? Um, and so over the years, I've been able to attract an incredible lineup of talent. I literally have two PhDs that work for me, a 30-year veteran, veteran of the Department of Energy. Um, you know, I have some of the smartest, um, well-intentioned, good-hearted people. And so that team's allowed us to grow. Now, Adam, I've made every mistake there is at least once, if not two or three times. And, and you learn from those mistakes. Um, but, but that's the biggest thing is, is hurry up and get to the point where you can hire the right team. And, you know, especially when you're small – that's also a challenge because you make one bad hiring decision and that costs you financially a lot, right? So the other thing I've learned to do is, is I don't know it all. So I, I'm not allowed to hire anymore. Um, we have a core team that there's three of us that interview when we hire and the core team never makes a mistake. They also took the keys to the bank away from me, right? I'm not allowed to, <laughs> to touch our money anymore because that's not, my, that's not my expertise. I have other people that are much better at that than I am. That's good. That's really great to think about. So... So let's, let's dig into those a little bit more. You mentioned the biggest hurdle was getting you convinced. Then you mentioned uh, team. You also mentioned uh, sales. Let's dig into building the technical team. Let's talk about that first and then kind of jump on those too. Like, how did you find the people to help you in that back office when there wasn't a lot of services so producing I, podcasts? I, I got to be really careful my words here. So there's an online service that starts with an F and ends with an ER um, that a lot of people around the world market themselves on, whether it's logo design, website design, audio editing, whatever, and they, they keep their people locked down. I'm a sales guy. When I find good talent, I'm going to find a way to work with you directly. So I, I found really good talent. Uh, the guy was not from the U.S. He's actually in Bosnia. Yeah. 
and I f- figured out to, a way to go around the online company, reached out to him directly, and brought him on board. Um, incredible guy, does incredible work. Um, and then other parts of the team, like I said, we 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 um, you know have a producer Audrey who actually has a degree in um, video production, right? Um, I ran across her interviewing for a marketing position. She was not a good fit for a marketing position, but she was a great fit for a producer, which I didn't need yet. But you know what? I hired her anyway, or actually the core team hired her anyway. Um, so we, 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 we brought somebody on board that wasn't a quite a great fit for us yet, but we knew in a few months we would need somebody like that. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing the amount of people that listen to us that we end up becoming either host on our network or end up becoming employees of OGGN. I think a part of it is that we have that in common, the fact they listen. And I don't mean just because they listen to our podcast, but because they listen to podcasts as a whole, we have that in common, which makes them a better fit for what we're trying to do. Mm. So what my takeaway there is you're saying when you've seen talent, you go out of your way to bring that talent into the fold. hundred percent. Look at what we do. Do you know how hard it is? Do you know how hard it is to find somebody that has experience selling podcast sponsorships? There's like seven it, of us tough. on the planet, right? <laughs> so if I run across somebody that has that experience, I'm crazy not to snap that up. The same way with somebody that can, um, you know, Audrey, even though she produces and she manages two of our um, audio engineers, she also manages all the f- show of all the flows when they're recorded, when they're released. You know, find somebody that can multitask like that, but also has the production capacity. Of course, you got to grab that talent. That's, right. that's, a, that's a needle in the haystack. That's great. So let's go from there talking about building the technical team to you mentioned sales just now and seven in the world. <laughs> I, mean, I know you're, you're making a joke there, but selling podcast sponsorships, not on the top of everyone's mind, but specifically oil and gas industry focused podcast sponsorships. What was it like building your sales processes? I mean, is this just general sales or how do you, how did you, how did you hone that into, you know, specialize in this industry? So it is general sales concepts. The problem is I had to take past successes out of my head. And for a salesperson, that's hard. If you've always sold car tires and the way you did it was going down to the local GM dealer on Saturdays and you sold car tires, that means you think the best way to sell car tires is go to GM dealer every Saturday, right? Well, time changes, technology changes. So one of the things I had to learn is a lot of podcasters, including Joe Rogan, who I'm a big fan of, I think they sell podcast sponsorships the wrong way. They let themselves be pushed to what's called a CPM model, so click per thousand, where the size of your audience determines how much money you make. I get paid for a podcast before it has a single listener. I don't do advertising. I do sponsorship, right? So we'll take one of our uh, customers, uh, Amazon Energy Services. Amazon Energy Services' biggest problem in the oil and gas industry is when people say Amazon, most of the senior people in our industry think of the brown box delivery company. They have no idea about Amazon Web Services, much less a specialty group of Amazon energy services that have a bunch of domain expertise, that have uh, geophysicists, um, petroleum engineers, uh, oil and gas financial people working for that group. So all we do is talk about how Amazon energy services helps somebody like Baker Hughes with their hybrid cloud theory, right? People hear that on the podcast and they go, I didn't know they did that. And they reach out and the sales naturally follow for Amazon, but we're not selling Amazon. We're educating the oil and gas industry on what our sponsors do. It took me a while to figure out that route. Exactly. So you're talking about real, just you're having to connect with the sponsors who have a need, but also your listeners have a need. They're coming to you as an industry expert, maybe for knowledge, maybe for entertainment, maybe for a little bit of both. And then there's a synergy there that works out that you help facilitate. Love hearing that. So 
we talked about building the technical team, building the sales team, but then you talked about earlier forming your core team to make sure that they were covering your weak points. Talk about that. That's hard to be humble and like swallow your pride and go, hey guys, I'm no good at this. I need you to help me out here. How did that, did that come out of pain? Did that come out of everyone putting their heads together? What did that look like? Uh, it came out of pain for me being hard-headed. If you can't tell, I'm a type A personality. Um, I can articulate that I'm not right about everything. But in my head, a lot of times I do think I'm right about everything, even though I know intellectually that that's not true. That's just how I'm wired. So it's a very humbling thing to have to admit, number one, I'm not good at everything. But for me, having to hand that stuff off was a nightmare. You know, I started this company. This is my baby. It was small. I knew everybody. We all knew each other. We were literally like a family. And then we've grown. And sometimes, Adam, I'll see something like on LinkedIn. I'll go, man, that's really cool. And then I go, wait, that's us. I didn't even know it was there. We have IT policy now. Like, when the hell did we get IT policy? Right. <laughs> so, so being able to admit to myself that the business is better off with other people leading certain parts of it was a hard thing for me to swallow, but I had to do it because it was reality. And then it's just reinforced. You know, if you're listening to this and you're in that same boat, I'm telling you, delegate some stuff, watch it come off your plate and watch your people do it better than you do, even though they may do it differently, which is going to bother you a little bit. They do it better than you do. Right. And at, at that point, it starts self-fulfilling and it gets easier and easier to let stuff go. But but even today, um, my team will fuss at me because I'll be doing something that I really shouldn't be doing, but I just want to do it myself. And so it, I still struggle with it. It's not something that gets solved that gets solved permanently overnight. It's something that I got to be aware of, literally on a day to day basis. That's great. So you got to keep training. You got to keep yeah. working out those muscles. That's good to hear. So let's talk about what is the best advice you've received, and what advice would you give to someone? in the oil and gas industry that wants to build their own company, whether it's a podcasting company like yourself or maybe a marketing company, maybe an operator, maybe they're trying to buy PDP. What advice have you received and what advice would you give? So the best result, uh, um, advice I've ever been given was to not only constantly be learning, but literally calendar time to learn so that you have no choice. So if you look at my calendar each month, I have eight hours a month set aside just to learn. This industry changes literally minute by minute. Nobody knows all of it. And if you did know all of it in 15 minutes, it'd be different, right? So that's a big thing. The other thing is you got to be very open-minded. Um, when we first started doing this, I had a very rigid set of, of parameters in my head on what we we're going to charge, how we we're going to charge, how we we're going to bill, Right. Because I've done big business in this industry. I've, I've personally negotiated three MSAs with Exxon Mobil. I love you, Exxon Mobil. Negotiating an MSA with you is is horrible <laughs> experience. And so what I had to do is learn that the way I we contracted and we did business before doesn't apply to podcast. Right. And so so the best the best advice I've ever been given is always be learned. The best I best advice I will give is be totally open to different situations and opportunities in this industry. Just because we've always turned it to the right doesn't mean there might not be an opportunity one day for you to turn it to the left. Awesome. Appreciate you sharing that, that wisdom. I got three questions we usually end with. Are you a big reader? Do you like to read? I'm a voracious reader. What's one of your favorite reads 
either of all time or like the last six months? That's so funny. Paige Wilson asked that question to every oh, oh, really? guest industry leaders. Yeah. I don't know. I got to figure out which one y'all came up with first. The most impactful book I've ever read was um, uh, Principal Centered, Centered Leadership by Stephen Covey. I actually had, I was lucky enough before he formed, uh, um, it's, uh, what's his company called? He's passed away, by the way. Uh, it's Seven Habits. The Seven Habits yeah, guy, but yeah, his yeah. company is, um, Anyway, I got a chance to meet him before he, they formed his current company and I actually had some coaching by him. And the Seven Habits books is awesome, still applicable today, but it's principle-centered leadership where you realize that you're there to facilitate the growth of your people, not to be in the spotlight. That was the, probably the best, most influential book I've ever read. That's great. I have to check that out. And then do you have a favorite, uh, favorite drink? I'm a red wine drinker, specifically uh, Malbec. Ah, yeah. Argentina. Argentina. It's uh, if you don't know wines, that grape is used to make cheap wine, box wine all over the world. But the west side of the Andes in Argentina, the conditions are perfect, and it makes a very drinkable social wine. This isn't a wine for wine snobs. This isn't something you store in your cellar. This is something you slightly chill and invite friends over. Some Malbec friends might argue with you that there's some of those too. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That's fun. I didn't know that. And I actually said three questions, but I already asked you the third one, and that was the advice question. So I think. We covered it all. If you had to sum our conversation up and leave someone with something, what would you say summing up this conversation we just had? Um, always be open to new experiences and meet new people. This industry is large. It's global. But I'm telling you, it's like a family. I can go to anywhere in the world. And if I, if I could be in uh, Rio de Janeiro... And if I meet somebody that's in the oil and gas industry, they accept me like family. And I, I love that. This, this industry is the most important industry in mankind. It's large. It's very technical. But it's still an industry of people doing business with people. And I love that. That's awesome. Mark, thanks so much for being on the Energy Builders podcast. Really appreciated your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. Awesome. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please do us a big favor and leave a review in whatever podcast app you listen to or share with someone you think might enjoy this content. Thanks a lot for listening to Energy Builders. Energy Builders.